Serbia, and I learned over the last four weeks that I am very fond of you, Motion City. Not like in a creepy, weird, like show up unannounced way, but I like you guys, and I have missed you, and I am so excited to be back, and, and, and I'm not leaving for a year. It's just me for a year, and, uh, but I just want to say thank you so much, so much to Pastor Matt, who's up with our city kids right now, and then Pastor Blake Lather for the last two weeks, they covered the preaching responsibilities and did such a fabulous, fabulous job. The, 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 the difficult thing about having really talented friends is that you always have to follow your talented friends. And so I am going to try. There could be a quick vote at the end of this week to just pull Blake in full time, but we will see how this goes. But, uh, uh, But man, so grateful for those guys. And we are in week nine of a series that we kicked off back in June called The King's Speech. And, and really with this idea that, man, a speech... The, the power of words have the ability to change the course of our lives. Uh, I'm sure that you have probably seen clips or like that uh, clip from, from uh, Rocky. Uh, you've probably seen more clips than you even thought existed. But hopefully that there is something about the words that are spoken that inspire. And as we have been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, the sermon that Jesus spoke uh, and preached, uh, hopefully my prayer has been that you will have caught wind of the things that God is calling us to, the things that Jesus is calling us to. And and, and these are not easy things. That clip is so, uh, it's such a good foreshadowing of what we're going to talk about today because, man, there are things in life that are difficult. Nothing hits harder than life. We, we find ourselves in unexpected circumstances, some good and some bad, and sometimes we have the, the sometimes we, we, we build our, our lives around whatever circumstance we're going through right now. And, and the reality is what Jesus is calling us to is a life not being called to a position or a place, but to a life following him. And And so today what we're going to do is we are going to look at three verses, and one of which is one of the two, in my opinion, most famous verses in all the Bible. And let's just see what God has in store for us. And so if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 7, and we are going to read verses 12 through 14. Matthew chapter 7, verses 12 through 14. And this is what they say. Do to others... Whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law of the prophets. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide and and there are many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. I'm going to do something very different today. I've never done this before, but we are going to have story time with Steve. We are going to have story time with Steve, and we are going to be reading the Berenstain Bears. If you're thinking, no, it's, it's Berenstain, you'd be wrong. It's Berenstain, I learned that. Speaking like an idiot for the last 34 years. But we are going to read the Berenstain Bears. We are going to be reading the Berenstain Bears and the Golden Rule. And we have 
all the pictures up on the screen for you, so you're not just going to have to listen to me. But this is what it says, and hopefully everyone's okay with hanging out maybe 10 minutes late. I timed myself with this, so we'll see how this goes. Here we go. When Sister Bear received a beautiful golden locket for her birthday, she was surprised and pleased. It was shaped like a heart, and it had her name on it. Happy birthday, dear, said Mama and Papa Bear, giving her a big hug. Sister tried the locket on and looked at herself in the mirror. I love it, she said. I'm going to wear it all the time. It opens up, said Papa. Look, he showed her a little golden clasp that you pressed to pop the locket open. Neat, said Sister. She looked inside, expecting to find a little picture or a mirror or something, but all she could see inside the locket were a few simple words. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Sister was puzzled. The words seemed familiar, but she wasn't sure why. What's this, she asked. Well, it's the golden rule, explained Mama. What's that, Sister wondered. Really creative names I'm learning in this book. (laughs) Mama's eyes widened. The golden rule is one of the most important rules there is, she explained. That's why we have always had it hanging on the wall of our living room. She pointed to a framed sampler above their mantelpiece. Sister gazed up in amazement. She had seen that sampler every day of her life. No wonder the words seemed so familiar. Oh, she said a little embarrassed. I never really thought about what it said before. What does it mean? The golden rule, Papa explained, tells you to treat other people the way that you want to be treated yourself. Why is it inside my locket, she wondered. It's a golden rule inside of a golden locket for a golden little princess, said Papa, giving her a big kiss. And that's just a dad answer. But then here comes Mama with the business. It's called the golden rule, explained Mama patiently, because it's precious, just like gold. It's not about the, it's not about the gold you wear around your neck or your finger. And she held out her wedding ring. It's about the golden treasure we keep inside our own hearts. The heart shape of the locket is meant to remind you of that. Sister thought it over. She didn't really get it, but that was okay. She loved her new locket anyway. The next day before school, sister showed off her her new treasure to her friends, Lizzie, Millie, Anna, and Linda. They oohed and aahed over it in a very satisfying way. Well, what's the fuss all about, said a voice. It was Queenie McBear and her gang. Queenie was older than sister and a little snooty. When Queenie first came to the neighborhood, she and sister did not get along at all. Queenie made fun of her and got sister's friends to join in. That was sister's first experience with an in-crowd, a group that makes, makes itself feel big by making others feel small. Oh, hi, Queenie, said sister. I was just showing the kids my new locket. Over the years, sister learned to get along with Queenie, but they never really were the best of friends. Let's see, said Queenie. She looked the locket over. She was not impressed. She herself wore big hoop earrings and a lot of beads and chains. Cute, was all she said as she walked away with her friends. Queenie still had her own in crowd. They were a group of older girls who liked hanging out together and acting cool. Mostly, they spent time painting their nails and giggling about boys. That was okay with sister. She had her own group of friends to hang out with, but it never occurred to her that this might be any kind of problem until the new girl came to school. So next page. That's the new girl. Her name was Susie McGrizzle. Grizzy. She seemed like a funny, which seemed like a funny sort of name. For one thing, it had a lot of Z's in it. The new girl herself seemed a little funny too. 
Her clothes weren't exactly cool, and she wore her hair up in pigtails, which was definitely not the standard Bear Country School style. Besides, she had thick glasses and braces, not the cool kind with lots of different colors like Millie wore, just plain old braces. On her first day, of course, the new girl didn't know anyone at all. At recess, sister noticed her standing off by herself in a corner of the playground. She looked sort of sad and lonely. Sister was thinking about going over and introducing herself when Lizzie and Anna came up. Hiya, sister, said Lizzie. We're getting together a game of hopscotch. Millie and Linda are over there. Come on. Sister began to follow, but she paused and glanced back to where the new girl was standing all by herself. The new girl looked lonelier than ever. Wait a minute, said sister. What about the new girl? That, what's her name? The, the, the one over there. Maybe we should invite her to join in. She looks pretty lost and lonely. The other girls were surprised. Susie Hoosie face, said Lizzie doubtfully. She has weird clothes, said Anna. And those corny pigtails, said Lizzie. And not to mention those clunky glasses and braces, said Anna. Well, sister said discouraged, I just thought, oh, don't worry about old Susie McWoozy, said Lizzie, taking sister's arm. She'll be fine. She'll find some other cubs to play with. Cubs, more her type. Come on. Sister allowed herself to be led away to the hopscotch game. She felt a little worried about Susie McWoozy, though she couldn't exactly say why. But she soon forgot all about it while playing hopscotch with her friends. Later when school let out, Susie got in line for her school bus. She noticed that the new girl was standing right in front of her. She was going to say hi, but then Lizzie came up behind her and they started to talk. And they went on talking as they got on the bus Susie McGrizzy sat right behind them, and Sister and Lizzie went right on talking together. Sister played with her new locket as she talked, twirling it around and around in the air. And when the school bus came to a stop, Sister gathered up her things and got off, but she felt a soft tug on her arm. It was Susie McGrizzy. She was holding something out to Sister. Here she said shyly, you, you dropped this. It was Sister's new locket. Gee, said Sister, thanks. It was all she could think of to say. Sister climbed off the bus and watched it pull away. She could see Susie sitting in the back, looking back at her from the window. Sister hung her locket back around her neck. What if Susie hadn't noticed her drop it? It might have been gone for good. Mama was waiting for Sister as she climbed the front of the steps. How was school today, dear? asked Mama. Oh, okay, I guess, sighed Sister. Dumping her school bag on the armchair in the living room, she glanced up at the framed sampler of the golden rule over the mantel. Somehow, the golden locket hanging around her neck felt heavier than ever. That evening at dinner, Sister was unusually thoughtful. She picked at her lima beans, like any kid would do, and stared off into space. A penny for your thoughts, said Papa, as he fed Honey Bear. Huh? said Sister, looking up. Oh, I was just thinking about the golden rule inside my locket, she explained. I don't really get it. What's it supposed to mean? Well began, Mama. Let me give you an example. Do you remember the trouble you had with Queenie when she first moved to town? Sister perked up and paid attention. She remembered all too well. Do you remember how Queenie started an in-crowd but kept you out and made fun of your clothes and your hair bow, Mama asked? Do you remember how badly you felt? Boy, did she ever. Sister started to feel hurt just thinking about it. Her lower lip began to quiver, and a tear came to her eye. All the golden rule is saying, Papa continued, is that you shouldn't turn around and do that same sort of thing to someone else. He paused to scrape some mashed potatoes off of Honey's chin. You should always treat other people the way you would like to be treated yourself. 
But I would never do anything like that, said sister. Besides, I don't have an in-crowd. Oh, no, said brother, who had been taking this all in. What about Lizzie and Anna and Millie and Linda? You play with them all the time, but I never see you asking anyone else to join in. That's different, protested sister angrily. I'm just playing with my friends. We're not trying to keep anybody out. Of course not, dear, soothed mama. I'm sure you and your friends would never dream of keeping other cubs out of your group. Sister Bear grew very quiet. Now that she thought it over, she wasn't quite so sure. Not so sure at all. The next day at recess, as soon as Sister came outside, she looked around the playground for Susie McGrizzy. She soon spotted her sitting off by herself under a big oak tree at the edge of the schoolyard, reading a book. Sister marched right up to her. Hello, Susie, she said brightly. Susie looked up in surprise. Hello, she said shyly. I'm Sister Bear, and my friends and I are going to play some hopscotch, Sister told her. Would you like to join us? Susie's face lit up. Oh, I'd love to, she said with a big, bracy grin. I love hopscotch. Terrific, said Sister. Do you want to see my locket? Sure, said Susie. Okay, said Sister. Come on, I'll show it to you. Over there, Sister took off, and Susie chased her, laughing across the playground to the hopscotch square where Lizzie, Millie, Anna, and Linda were waiting. Sister's golden locket gleamed in, in the sun as she ran. Isn't it amazing how often when we read this verse, we associate it with kids? We look at it as a, a kid's verse because unlike those of us who are grown-ups, we would never allow ourselves to treat others the way that we would not want to be treated ourselves. But as I was taking inventory of conversations that I've had in my life, I, I, I began to catch some very uncomfortable phrases that I have heard myself say. I throw out flippantly, uh, this verse, when my kids are fighting or when there's a tussle on the playground between friends, but I, there's a lot of weight to it. And as I thought about my conversations, my, my, my little thoughts in my own little world, I, I've come to the conclusion that I've said some things like this. Well, I just prefer to associate with fill in the blank. Or when I'm in a real hurry. See, I was in a real hurry. I wouldn't normally say that to that person, or I wouldn't normally treat that person that way, or it's just a gas station attendant. I think about the things that I can type on social media, on Facebook or Twitter, and the reality is, although this verse is very simple and we associate it with simple things, I think that we could all give some weight to the simple things that Jesus instructs us with. As, G, as, as Blake was, was speaking last week, he talked about the topic of prayer, uh, and, 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 and as he talked about that, as Jesus, Jesus almost continues that same thought in addressing after that God is gracious in response to prayers for discernment, so we, as God's people, should be gracious in the way that we treat People Now, what I'm not saying is to be doormats to life's experiences. That's not what I'm saying. God did not intend for us to simply be doormats or to simply be voiceless people walking through life. Uh, but, but did you know that even in disagreement that we can treat other people the way that we want to be treated? And, and it's true. It's true. Many times I have found myself, whether in counseling or in conversation, encouraging people to offer others the same grace that we are so quickly to offer ourselves. 
because we are so quick to offer ourselves a way out, right? I mean, I am the best at that. Like, I offer myself the easiest way out ever most of the time. I mean, that's just simply human nature to limit our suffering based on our understanding of the circumstances that we see them as. And Jesus is saying, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to take that mentality, I want you to take that understanding of how you view yourself and the grace you offer yourself, and I want you to extend that towards others. And you may be thinking right now, you may be thinking of a face and a circumstance, and you may be saying this to yourself, but they don't deserve it. Here's the good and the bad news. Neither did you. And neither did I. We don't deserve what we've gotten. But what does Romans 5, 8 tell us? It tells us, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. What? While we were still sinners. This verse, verse 12 of Matthew chapter 7, is attached to the greatest commandment, which is found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39, and it says this, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then what does Jesus say in verse 40? He says, the entire law, and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. I was, I was studying this on my, at my dining room table, and, and I would, my brain had this explosion moment. Like, it exploded. And when my brain explodes, there are two people that I text, my mom and Nate. And I immediately just, like, texted, and I was like, do you realize... Like, I was just blown away by this, that the entire Old Testament is summarized in one sentence that Jesus says. In one sentence, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, it sums up the totality of the Old Testament. When you ask, man, what's the Old Testament about? It's God saying, love me and love others the way that you would love yourself. And the religious wheels that you and I find ourselves spinning effortlessly trying to find, God, find approval with God that is found in Christ, yet we still try and spin these plates and, 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 and work fervently to get God's approval. And God's saying, no, 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 that you don't have to do that anymore because all I need you to do is I need you to love me and love other people the way that you would want to be loved. When we look at what God has called us to do today in 2017, and this message could not be more timely based on the circumstances that are going on in our world. Man, what has God called us to do today in 2017? He's called us to love him and love others the way that we would love ourselves. Man, I... I need this message today. I think we need this message today, how we as the church need to rise up and love God and love others without question or without preference because I don't know, I'm maybe just simple-minded enough that I still believe that the love of God is great enough and strong enough and powerful enough to transform the human heart. I believe that the love of God is big enough and strong enough and powerful enough to change the course of history. And what if we could live this out all the time, every day? What do you think could happen to culture? What do you think would happen in our city? 
What do you think would happen in our state and nation and world when the church stopped observing and started participating in the thing that God has called us to do, which is love him first and love other people the way we're so good at loving ourselves? What would happen? Man, I just really believe, and maybe I'm speaking prophetically right now, man, I think that we would see transformation and healing happen. I think we would see reconciliation happen, and ultimately, to use a very churchy word, I think that we would see revival take place. I think we would see revival take place in our churches, as well as in the streets and in the workplace. If we would step up and love God with everything inside of us and love other people the way that we're so good at loving ourselves. This is hard. I was telling Jen last night, Jesus is not a good speech giver because you're supposed to end with the inspiring stuff, not the work. But Jesus ends with the hard rule, which is why what Jesus says next in Matthew chapter 7 is so profound to me. He says, check this out. Starting in verse 13, it says this. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only few ever find it. I think that one of the biggest things that we as Christians living in the 21st century struggle with is that we want narrow road results on the wide road. We want narrow road results on the wide road. We want wide road Christianity with narrow road rewards. And in the last nine weeks, we have looked at life on the narrow road. Everything that Jesus taught in this sermon is life on the the narrow road. And that last phrase has always bothered me, the phrase, and only a few ever find it. Why? Why? Why only a few? And at 10.55 p.m. last night, it hit me. Because the road that leads to God's kingdom and the road that leads to life is difficult. I don't like difficult. I avoid difficult as much as I can because difficult is difficult. It's inconvenient. It's painful. Oftentimes, difficult is misunderstood by society. Oftentimes, difficult is misunderstood. It's placing my preferences outside of the center of my personal universe and placing God's call in its place. We don't do well with difficult, and as I was thinking about it, difficult never comes with a road map. But oftentimes, most often, difficult comes through the experiences that often lead lead to scars. As I've looked back at the nine weeks, at the two and three-fourth chapters of Matthew, I've realized everything that Jesus has said is difficult. And Jesus is calling us to the narrow, difficult road. 
Why? Because it's the road that he walked. Because it's, the narrow, it's on the narrow road that we learn to love like Jesus and serve like Jesus and sacrifice like Jesus. And so as we conclude this part this morning, we've got three more weeks where Jesus offers some pretty significant warnings. I'm a huge advocate that Jesus only warns us because he loves us. Uh, If I'm a good parent, I will warn my children of danger. If you never see my kids in danger and I don't warn them, you can just surmise Steve's a bad parent. Except for here, because they just... Addie jumped from here to there once, and it was fine. It was just wonderful to watch, and I filmed it. So that's sometimes what dads do. Jen wasn't around. She doesn't need to know. Um, but, uh, but this morning, I want to ask you a question. Which road are you on? Which road are you on? And what I want to invite you into for the remainder of the day is I want you to process that question. I want you to process the question of what road am I on. I want you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what road you're on because this is the thing that scares me. In the story of Samson, Samson's power comes from the fact that he kept God's covenant, didn't cut his hair, he met a girl, ruined his life as often girls do. And, and uh, no, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Jen's not in here right now. Okay. Um, But Samson told Delilah his secret. And Delilah chopped his hair off. And and the scariest verse in the Bible is is this, and I'm going to summarize it real quick. As Samson got up to face the Philistines, he was not aware that his power had left him. It is amazing as I have been taking inventory of my life and my heart, how often I find myself on the wide road. So I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what road you're on because here's what I know. If you want what Jesus has, you have to be where Jesus is. If you want what Jesus has, you have to be where Jesus is. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you are good enough and gracious enough to say hard things. Jesus, you say the hard stuff. You call us to the hard stuff because you you really do love us. It, It doesn't make sense because, again, we are a culture and we are people who try to avoid difficulty at all costs. Yet, Jesus, you are calling us to something difficult. You are calling us to some place that you've been, the road that you've walked. And so God, I just pray, my prayer is this, for myself, for everybody here. Father, would we allow you to speak into our lives? Would we be available to hear from you the road that we're on? And God, would you help us if we need to make the switch from the wide road to the narrow road? Would you give us the strength and the faith and the grace to do so? For our benefit, yes.
but for the benefit of the world, that they may see you in us. So God, as we go today, may we go in your strength, may we go in your power. Something that I was reminded of the last two days is, is God, we're not the church because we're we're gathered here. We become the church as we leave here. And so God, may we become the church. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you.